You're listening to the WPTF Afternoon News with Nate Saunders podcast. Steve Rao is with me in the studio, Morrisville Town Councilman. Uh, We got some easy pickings here. The Supreme Court made a lot of rulings very recently at the end of their session. I mean, where do we begin? I mean, this is like the Steve Rao uh, Supreme Court for Dummies edition. I'm going to have to, like, write a book. But, I mean, the bottom line, the elephant in the room we're going to be talking about tonight on Newsmakers uh, is uh, affirmative action being struck by the Supreme Court. And for those of you listening, I'm going to wear my commentator hat. Um, First of all, affirmative action is using race as a factor for student admissions. In 1978, the Supreme Court of the United States struck it down as unconstitutional in the Bakke case. But after that case, future courts said that you could use race as long as it was other factors, and there must be a compelling interest. And you know what that compelling interest was? Diversity in your student population. So now the Supreme Court, based on a case from Carolina and Chapel Hill and Harvard, has ruled it unconstitutional that it violates the 14th Amendment of the Equal the equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So what does this mean, Nate? At the end of the day, what it means is that uh, you can no longer use race as a factor. Schools like UNC, Chapel Hill, and others are going to have to look at other factors. But I will say this, a couple of things to get out there. And on this show, I try to really bring both sides of the argument here. Um, California and Michigan struck down affirmative action. They both filed briefs with the Supreme Court claiming and stating and showing evidence that diversity in their student populations fell, that they could not increase, you know, minority black students and Hispanic students when they got rid of affirmative action. So this is concerning because we want to have diverse student bodies, and we may not be able to now if we strike down affirmative action. Um, the other arguments say that it shouldn't be there, that Asian Americans could benefit. That's what some people say. So I think at the end of the day, what I'll just say as we close out this section is there's so many decisions from Roe v. Wade a year ago to affirmative action, to striking down student debt relief, uh, other rights like LGBTQ. I I think it's just interesting to see the court is really making a lot of changes, and they're making a lot of changes really fast. And I think it's got some people wondering whether it's Republican appointees or Democratic appointees, do we want to have some changes in the court? You know, having uh, less, being less political, um, maybe having more on the court, uh, term limits, retirement ages. I mean, as a commentator, I can tell you that if the Democrats had appointed someone to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they may not have been in this position, right? Um, and it's all about the Constitution and how these justices are interpreting the country. But what I find interesting is stare decisis. Conservative courts usually uphold precedent, but this court seems to be turning back precedent. So It just kind of harks back to when you're learning about how our government works in high school. And the question always pops up, which is, we have terms for all these things. Why are there no terms for the Supreme Court? And that's a real question. Well, because I think that, that any change, and I'm not, I'm making this comment that if, if you know if if Biden wins again and he gets to pick the appointment, um, will it be a political factors that come in and are justices then put in power with an expectation that they're going to rule in a certain way, right? Now, with that being said. You have to look at Chief Justice John Roberts. He wrote the majority opinion on, in gay marriage. Uh, there was another decision about the independent legislative theory, which basically struck down the North Carolina case that said you cannot draw your own federal election maps. Um, and Roberts didn't vote with what the, we thought the Republicans would vote. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a gray area. But I think that uh, it's been a heck of a year, and I, and there's going to be maybe next week we'll look at some of the other cases that are coming before the court next year. Looking back at the affirmative action ruling, you definitely hear a lot of people who say that black students and Hispanic students are going to have a harder time making it to higher 
education, especially the the best colleges well, that we have. But we've also heard on the other side that Asian Americans are saying that, this is going to make it uh, easier. easier for them yeah. to make it in. They've yeah. kind of been on the opposite so, side of the problem. Th- that's right. And so I've been hearing feedback on that side. But it will hurt the applicant pool of black. And at the end of the day, I'll end with this. Diversity, if you look at Wake County schools, for example, the game changer was socioeconomic diversity. When you look at the magnet schools in Raleigh, where a superintendent, Big Bill McNeil, had this real vision of bringing people from different backgrounds. A lot of times it's racial, but it's also socioeconomic. And that actually tends to increase and enhance uh, educational performance, even corporate performance. So having a diverse student body that looks like America could very well help your educational experience, right? I think that with that being said, how do you do it in such a way that you balance you know, other minorities like Asian Americans? But we'll see what Jesuit says tonight. I'm looking forward to listening to him. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard for him because UNC Chapel is a very selective university and they have used affirmative action in making a lot of their selection decisions. Sure. Again, he's uh, talking about Carolina Newsmakers, which airs tonight after Jeff Hamlin, 7 p.m. Don Curtis is going to speak with UNC Chapel Hill's Chancellor Kevin Goskovitz. Would be very interesting to hear what he has to say. Obviously, as the chancellor of the school that has been using it, as you just said, it's a pretty big deal for them. They're going to have to make some real structural changes. Real structural changes. And like I said, California and Michigan are the two that show that when you did strike down affirmative action, uh, that their the diverse pool of, t- a t- of, of minority students went down in both those states. And they've tried this like in nine states, I think. So, you know, more, more to come. We could spend an hour on this. But the bottom line is supreme change by a Supreme Court. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting year. And how will this factor in next year's elections? Will this mobilize Democrats to get out even more to reelect Joe Biden? Or will it mobilize the Republicans to come out more? And where will North Carolina fall under that uh, in terms of being a swing state? Along similar lines, we've only got about a minute. What are your thoughts on the uh, student debt relief being this round of efforts officially being shut down? A lot of people think the president has some other tricks up his sleeve to get something passed. Yeah, I think he's trying to do something on the congressional level. I think that um, I just really I can understand the court saying that, uh, you know, he overstepped his authority here as the president. But why are students in so much debt? And you that's know, the question. And, and I think that that's, you know, forget about I, I commend the president for wanting to, to you know, do that. And, um, yeah, and so, you know, I, I think that's the key, right? And, um, you know, and, and someone just asked me, you know, why, why is diversity only thought of in terms of race? And that's true. I mean, there could be other ways of looking at diversity, econ- socioeconomic diversity. So thank you for that idea, Greg, idea, Greg. I mean, there's other areas that we need to look at, right? Sure. That, that could be. There's certainly more to the person. But with student debt relief, we're going to see where it happens. But, yeah, Biden does have some tricks up his sleeves, uh, but the court struck that down. So that's kind of like, you know, what's up with that? Part of me feels like at some point a president is going to pass some sort of debt relief. It's such a hot-button issue. At some point they'll figure it out. That's my thought. At, at some point they will figure it out. And uh, and, I, and I think it's just they're going to have to have the support of the Congress, the Senate. But I don't think people should be going to school and incurring that much debt incurring that much debt, right. $120,000, dollars $300,000 in debt. Now, if you're a doctor, it's different. You're going to go through that debt. You're going to become a cardiovascular surgeon, doctor. You're, you're going to be an engineer going from NC State to Georgia Tech. Yeah, you're going to make, that, make up that money, and you're going to have to incur the debt. But, you know, it's hard to have that kind of debt on your head, right? Certainly not enjoyable to look at a number like that and think, ooh, I got to pay that off one day.